The Anton Savage Show on News Talk. Well, we're all feeling the effects of the energy crisis um, as prices skyrocket, as inflation skyrockets, as the cost of living skyrockets. European uh, ministers, energy ministers met in Brussels yesterday to try to come to some kind of a package of measures that might uh, ease the pressure on uh, citizens in the member states. With us is News Talk's business editor, Joe Lynham. Joe, a terribly complicated thing to solve because the pan-European energy market is not something you can root at easily without consequence. Where did they get to yesterday? Well, they got to a couple of things in principle. Um, I suppose you could break it into two different sectors and that's supply and demand. Uh, Let's deal with demand first, if I may. They basically want people to consume less energy this winter. Um, It has started in Germany and Spain already. Um, Public buildings will no longer be lit after 9pm and public buildings will no longer be heated above 19 degrees Celsius. And in Spain, where they do have a problem with heat, they can no longer be chilled uh, below 27 degrees Celsius. We would love to have that problem in Ireland, of course, uh, to deal with. All of which to the layman sounds like deck chairs on the Titanic. Well, it sounds like pretty obvious stuff as well. I mean, we sh- should we really have buildings lit up after 9pm when the shops are closed? I mean, obviously the retailers will want their wares to be advertised physically, but how many people are milling around after 9pm? Um, but when you square it up against big data centres, big industrial ah, producers, yes. all of that, we are it is snipping around the edges of our energy consumption. None of this goes to the heart of the bulk of Irish or EU energy consumption. Well, this brings you then to the supply side uh, of energy. For example... To make electricity, you use a whole slew of energy sources. We don't have nuclear in this country, but we do have renewables. We do have coal. Money Point uh, is pretty big supplier of energy. And we do have hydro as well, hydroelectric. And we have gas. But gas is the price that has soared the most. Gas, though, is linked to electricity prices. Electricity prices, wholesale electricity prices are up here. But coal has not changed that much in price. It has increased a little bit. Hydro hasn't changed much. Renewable hasn't changed much. Nuclear hasn't changed much. So the gap between what it costs you to buy your coal or your hydro and what you're getting for burning gas to make electricity is what's called a supernormal profit or a surge in profits that you otherwise wouldn't get, Anton. And this is what the ministers are trying to do. So it, let me understand this, Joe. Let's say that I am the ESB and I'm in Ordna Crusha and I have big turbines spinning off the Shannon. My price that I can charge for that electricity coming off the Shannon is defined by the gas price, not a water price. So if the gas price goes up, I get to make more money even though it costs me nothing more to it's use the Shannon. You, it's added nothing to your costs but a huge amount to your bottom line. And so what they want to do is set a cap at which you can provide electricity. They're talking about 200 euros per megawatt hour, whereas they are easily getting five, six and 700 euros at the moment. So you can see that is a super, super normal profit. It is what I suppose you could call a windfall tax. They want that gap now, whatever that money is, anything above 200, to be funneled back to consumers and companies. And this is where the haggling is. How does that happen? Does that go straight into the consumer's pockets or does it get removed from a bill that you would have got? That is where the haggling begins. Meanwhile, they want you to cut your consumption and they want to put a price cap on all Russian gas 
coming into the European Union. I want to come back to the price cap on Russian gas. The When you detail out something like that and you say, well, okay, let us simply set a price uh, for um, gas and then we can benchmark everything else off it. It sounds relatively simple, except the European energy market has a range of different suppliers in every member state and they spot trade on a rolling constant real-time basis. If you enter that market and say we're going to make an arbitrary shift to one of the major components of it, you can have all manner of unintended consequences through the rest of the market, can't you? Well, a marketplace is uh, is a marketplace if you've got freedom to come into the market and freedom to exit the market. But if you set parameters, that freedom of market disappears and then the price gets distorted. We don't know how that will happen. For example, if you've got really cheap nuclear power in France, and that's kind of that is the case, what's preventing the French nuclear power station? Well, I'll supply the French, uh, the Spanish, or the Dutch, or the Belgians, or the Germans, or whatever. They can't do it, Russ, because we're not physically connected to the French, though we are building an electricity cable to to France. It won't be ready for t- until twenty twenty four. So you're right. Um, supply and demand, and how energy gets moved around is often. I mean, you and I don't have any clue. These are often decided in trading rooms, energy trading rooms all over the continent. You mentioned then the Russian price cap. This would be to say there is a limit to how much we will allow ourselves to be charged by the the Russian um, state uh, energy operators. The risk, of course, of that is that Vladimir Putin says, well, we'll do what we did with Nord Stream 1. We'll suddenly have technical difficulties and shut you off totally. I think they're technically banking on that. I think they're betting on the Russians switching off the gas entirely. At the moment, there is no Russian gas flowing into Germany, which is Europe's biggest customer by a mile. They've shut, they never opened Nord Stream 2. And they've now shut off, supposedly for technical reasons, Nord Stream 1. The fly in the ointment is going to be hungry. The Hungarian government is very close, way too close to the Kremlin, and they are dead against a, um, a limitation on Russian gas. They say it's unfair and you, you need, the Belgians are saying it should be on all non-EU gas, which is going to be an issue because they're dependent on Algerian gas now. They want uh, Dubai to provide um, liquefied na- natural gas as well. So you can see there's a whole slew of things. But the main thing is they have to act. They can't sit on their hands. They can't say, oh, let's commission a report. Let's get this committee to look at that or this, whatever it is. They have to act quickly, but they, energy ministers, don't have the power. So in this coming week, we have something called the State of the European Union. Uh, It's a speech given by Ursula von der Leyen, the president of the commission. So she will set out her proposals based on what energy ministers have provisionally agreed or earmarked, heads of agreement, whatever you want to call it. That then gets put to the bosses the presidents and the prime ministers, the European Council, the 27 people who will ultimately have to decide these things. The good news is they won't need anonymity, Anton. That is really important because the the Hungarians would say, no, we're going to veto this. They need something that's called qualified majority voting, which means a majority in the physical number of of member states as well as the voting power, i.e. the big blocks. So Germany on its own cannot block anything, but Germany and France together still can't railroad through something. So even without unanimity, they can make whatever decisions they need to make if they have the significant majority. So then explain one bit to me, Joe. There's been a lot of discussion and and on this programme as well this morning about the impact on individual households and the startling impact that there might be, particularly for those who wouldn't have a, a huge amount of disposable income. What about the implications of this for business? Because if we get to a position where electricity prices become unpredictable or where electricity supply becomes unpredictable for FDI, for SMEs, for big corporates, that's a huge impact. It is. And let's not forget about the small guys as well. Um, uh, on my show, um, Breakfast Business, which goes out at 6.30, we have had energy issues discussed by SMEs. They basically, to sign a contract, to lock in a price... 
they have to put up huge amounts of money. And I'm talking about five-figure sums. And if you're an SME and you're making sandwiches and you said, well, uh, the energy company, well, I need a bank guarantee, which is de facto cash, for five figures before I let you lock in your energy prices. That is a real concern. The big guys, yeah, but the big guys can spread their risk over. They can go into the into the international money markets and they can hedge their investment. They can buy forward, as in they can buy in blocks of energy and have it fixed at that rate. The small guys, the SMEs with less than 500 staff, not as easy. And I assume as well for the SMEs, to some degree, it is extremely difficult to limit your consumption. I was talking to somebody in the food business recently who has switched all of the light bulbs to LEDs and who has upgraded the fridges but you can't turn off the fridges. You are stuck with a certain amount of consumption. And he was telling me he's looking at a fourfold increase in his bill as of this month. Yeah, and remember the wealthier companies can afford to go for the high-grade fridge, for example, the very high-grade, low-energy consuming devices. The less well-off companies will see a much lower price because it has a much lower energy rating, just to stick with your example. Uh, But everyone is going to have to do an audit. And I would assume that every responsible company, small, medium or large, is doing an audit right now of how much energy do we genuinely need at any point in the day. For example, when the station, when this station is not on air, how many lights do we need on? Something like that. Are you optimistic that there will be an outcome at the European State of the Union speech? Do you think we will get to a position where the fast action that you describe is actually delivered? Well, the State of the Union speech will just be a speech. Um, it, nothing gets done until the council, which are the, the presidents and prime ministers of the 27 member states agree it. That will be probably the very beginning of October. And at that point, the weather will have changed. We'll be heading towards much darker evenings and the urgency of now will prevail. In the meantime, member states might not wait for the European Union. They might start directly starting to hand cash to consumers. We've got a budget coming up on the 27th of this month. It is going to be the most watched budget I can recall since the crazy days of the 80s when Ireland was simply broke. Joe Lynham, thank you very much. That is Joe Lynham, News Talks business editor. And of course, you can listen to Joe uh, every day of the week, 6.30 through to 7 on uh, The Business Show. Joe, thanks again. Thanks, Anton. The Anton Savage Show, Saturday morning at 9 on News Talk.